We're half a hundy. Let's go, baby. A 50... The 50th episode of the Nuts Star Pet Shop Eddie and Shoop Dog. Let's hear it, Shoop. Let's go, baby. <clears throat> oh, my Let's God. Let's hear it, Shoop. <laughs> I had it, cute. Let's hear it, Shoop. Hi, Mark Barnett, sir. You look Let's it. hear it, Shoop. I lost it. I don't know what happened. Are we going to get it back, Shoop? I don't know. Give me a filler. Uh Damn All right, it. filler, filler, it's the 50 burger. We putting up half a hundy episodes of the nuts. Do we have it, you? Can you hear it? See that pirouette? It's times like these, shoot, where I think back of the classic Howard Stern days when he just berated his technical helpers and producers and everybody that was kind of behind the scenes and would just go like you know uh we fucking said we're ready to go we got everything queued up and then it just falls to shit but you know what it's what make that's right that's what makes this pod the best ever well Coop, i ahead. will i will say i i need to i need to like record like some sound bites and just have it ready instead of like fucking around on YouTube pages and shit like that. But maybe uh, when we have a hundred episodes, the product that we put out per the equipment that we use and the prep and stuff like that, it's pretty incredible. The product we pump out on a 15 minute notice with a fucking Acer keyboard, a prop pretty incredible. mic. <laughs> Better not be a prop <laughs> mic. Let's party. Um, Shoop, I had a bunch of shit also going on this morning and I, um, I had time for one thing, eat or shave and I decided to eat. So you're going to have to deal with my unshaven face. You know, I can't tell. It's funny during the ep when, episode when we record, it's a little grainy. And then I, when yeah. I watch it after it's clear, so I can't tell you look clean shaven to me. I'm not, but thank you. Um, I whipped together some some eggs and veggies for the missus and I, and they were bomb. Hell yeah. Um, it's also snowing here in Seattle, north of Seattle, uh, for the first time pretty much in two years. Um, well, so we'll see how that develops, but, uh, it's 50th episode shoot. We've made it to 50 and we got a big one, a nice one set up. We got a lot to discuss. You can see, See that dog in the background of my screen? I think you can see that dog right there. I can't see the dog. Oh. I believe that there's a dog there. Maybe I'm more zoomed in for or something. And who knows if the viewers can see. But that's Jones's dog. That's Lucy. Lucy. Um, she's hanging out today, getting a bath and a haircut and stuff. So here's what we got on the, on the slate. I mean, obviously, we got our 50 in sports. We got our tea dish, which is every episode. We've got our trivia and our worst bets a little bit later down the line in the episode. And then we got a bunch of football to talk about. We got the Natty Championship. We got NFL playoffs. We got coaching changes. We got all kinds of stuff, Shoop. Are you ready to get it going? Yeah, I can't wait to discuss the NFL playoffs and just the coaching shakeup in both the NFL and the NCAA. This is, uh, this is, this is unprecedented that I can recall. 
All right, let's get it started. Whole cards. 15 sports now. Shoop, you said you only had a couple, so why don't I start? We'll see if I steal yours, and then you can pop in as needed. All right. I'm going to take it way back first. Tea dish. No, sorry. Oh. <laughs> you know, I did, all my, I did all my prep, and I skipped right over 50. Why don't you start with 50 in sports, and then I'll uh, follow you up. Sorry, everybody. Go ahead. Nickname, Sam, nickname Samurai Mike, number 50. Mike Singletary, middle linebacker, the Monsters in the Midway, Chicago Bears. Uh, just complete NFL royalty. And on some of those great NFL films, they have the zoom in on the eyes of Mike Singletary, where he looks like a man possessed. I I will never forget those those NFL films highlights and having him out there. And I thought to myself as a kid, like, Oh, that doesn't mean anything. But if I was an opposing running back or quarterback and you saw that, like, yeah, you, that's, that's pretty intimidating. And guess what? He backed it the hell up. Well, listen to this stat line two time, or excuse me, one time Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl 20, 1985, 80, 85, yep, 85 two season. Two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 85 and 88. And just think of the guys that were on that squad itself. Buddy Ryan's defense, by the way. Richard Dent. Uh, yeah, Richard Dent. Um, William Refrigerate while well, he's on the O-line. but uh, No, no, no Fr- Perry played the defensive line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve McMichael. Mo- Steve Mongo McMichael. Wilbur Marshall. Um there's many more that I'm just not thinking that, of. That, that's a vaulted, um, a vaulted defense. Seven-time first-team All-Pro, ten-time Pro. Um, I don't know. It goes on and on and on and on. And then he had a decent coaching uh, career as well. Uh, most noteworthy, a Monday Night Football game where uh, they lost to. Um, maybe the Bears. No. I'm getting him mixed up with uh, someone Danny else. Green. Yeah, Dennis I'm sorry. Green. <laughs> oh, but he no, I I know what it was. He did have a memorable coaching soundbite when he went off about Vernon Davis. And he's like, "Can't win with him. Can't play with him. Can't coach with him. Can't have it." He just went off about Vernon Davis. I remember him going off, so I do remember too. But yeah, he got him mixed up with uh, with, uh, Danny, with Green. Danny Green. Yeah. Um. Awesome. All right. Let me throw some Eagles. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I have to bring this up because of what we're doing. Uh, you and I are making a silly, stupid podcast that literally dozens of people listen to at the moment. But when I was a kid, I used to fall asleep at night to sports radio. Um, I had my Walkman, literally my Walkman. Yeah. Uh, on both ears and my little, you know, my little Walkman cassette thing. And I would just tune in to, at the time, I think it was 610 WIP. Um, and Gary Cobb used to be on. Now, I don't exactly remember, um, you know, what overnights or if it was late night. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Gary Cobb played for the Eagles for a couple of seasons and he wore number 50. And I would be remiss to not bring him up. As one of the influences in my life, just sitting and chatting and talking about sports, it's one of the reasons I love. He's still 
uh, in the media in Philadelphia. I'm not sure what he does these days because I listen to more of the Fanatic anymore. Um, but I think he's still with WIP, which is now 94-1 WIP. And uh, so shout out to Gary Cobb. Also, um, a couple of just names that, that Kiko Alonso played one season. I'm pretty sure it was the Chip Kelly error. Uh, as number fifty, and then current, current, current Philadelphia Eagle and glaring weak spot in the middle of the field. But you know, probably our best linebacker, Shaq Leonard, used to be called Darius Leonard, changed his name to Shaquille or something. I don't know. He's named by that. So there's a couple of fifties in the Eagles. You have another fifty? No, I was just sticking with Mike Singletary. Singletary is a great one. Um, in terms of the Flyers, not a whole lot, but I do remember Ruslan Fedotenko wore number 50 in the 01 season. That's all I got for Flyers. And then we can't talk about the 50 without Jamie Moyer. Now, he switched his number a few times, but Jamie Moyer did wear number 50 during the season that the, uh, the Phillies won the World Series in 08. Um, so certainly shout out to Jamie Moyer, who's got a big connection to Philadelphia and Seattle, uh, just like this podcast. He's like the, he's, he's like a poor man's left-handed Greg Maddox, Jamie Moyer. You know what? It's a great description (laughs) because he really is. Um, just quickly, you know, off the cuff here on social media, I saw Greg Maddox was on a podcast and they were asking him about a ball he threw to Moise Salou and it, it, it like he, he's a right-hander obviously as you know wait is Maddox is right right or yeah. Maddox left yeah Maddox is right yeah I'm so confused right now Moyer's left-handed uh, Maddox was right-handed so Correct. Maddox obviously coming from the third base side the ball is headed towards the first base side of the plate and then just literally takes a right turn and catches the inside corner strike three called and he was asked about that pitch and he said you know what he said not i didn't have that type of movement naturally the the batter before hit a grounder so hard right to my shortstop that he scuffed the shit out of the ball and when they threw it back to me i noticed it but i I wanted to use it so i threw that hooker and he said, and he was going to keep the ball. It, he used the whole ball for the whole entire at-bat for Moise Salou. Got the ball back and was going to use it for the next batter. But the dude fouled it in his seats and he was like, fuck. <laughs> I thought that was so uh, cool. Yeah. Big scuff gave it all that action. But yeah, you could I, see it on those. It was amazing. I still don't know how they do that. Like how they pro pitchers are able to use the scuff to their advantage. Like, I understand the laces on a baseball, right? Yeah. Like different grips. And if you throw it at a certain velocity, when the ball is moving against like gravity and shit, it moves. Like that's science just- with science with shoot. <laughs> I mean, I think-, it, uh, think about the science involved in a 12 6 curveball. It's pretty remarkable, right? I, I think we need a new segment, science with shoot, and we'll just talk about the science of sports. You can get into the sports science aspect yeah. and you know tell us like how many percentage of a chance of catch that so and so had and stuff i love it science with shoot uh should we move on to tea dish yeah i got a couple of nice tea dishes today um 
So stop me if you if I get rolling here. But I, I want to throw it back to 19. Sick. Go ahead. What'd you have to say? Oh, I just said I have one. So if you if you take mine, then I'm out. No problem. All right, I'll, I'll I'll hit a couple and then we'll throw it to you. 1960, boxer named Lamar Clark sets the pro boxing record 44 consecutive knockouts. Damn. That that, that popped out to me because I don't care like if you're fighting chumps or not. You still have to have that that killer instinct to go in and finish a guy by knockout and you know and not get lazy and who knows Obviously, these weren't champions. Lamar Clark's not a, a champion. So these aren't 15-round or even 12-round bouts. These are probably six, eight, or 10-round bouts. And within the time limit, he's knocking fools out 44 times in a row. That's awesome. Wait, is he a heavyweight? Uh, I believe so. I can look him out here. That was in 1960? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he would have had to have fought somebody – along that stretch right like the, the that was kind of like boxing's golden age heyday yeah i know um middleweight wait wait wait. is he a middleweight hang on that makes oh he was a, he was a heavyweight he was a heavyweight so total 51 total fights 47 wins three losses and a draw and 45 wins by KO. So 45 out of his 47 were knockouts, and obviously the 44 in a row. Um, so I didn't really, I wasn't prepared to talk too much about him, but I'm just kind of scanning his wiki page. Um, he's never been knocked out. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I got I got all the dude's names in front of me. Let me see if any, any um, heavyweight um, jumps out at me in terms of, you know, big, I mean, listen to these names. No, Buck Dixon, Dynamite Jackson, yeah, Rusty Davis, uh, Dick Tanner. I'm not making this up. <laughs> Dick Pierce, Del Randall, Cornell Butler. I mean, he knocked all these fools out. Cornell Butler, he was the running back for the Eagles, I think. <laughs> no, Cordell. <laughs> Who knows what it was? Cornell Cor Buckler or some shit. Why am I blanking out? It was, um, yeah, yeah. Cor Cor Cornell Buckhalter. Buckhalter, yeah. It's a, it's a little different than Butler. Buckhalter. Anyway, so that was, uh, actually did fight. He he lost to uh, Cassius Clay. I guess he wasn't Muhammad yet. Uh, and actually, this was his, this was his last, his last fight of his career was a KO by None other than a young Cassius Clay in 1961. So he, he got told he, he got told to sit down after knocking a bunch of fools out. Wow. Anyway, I love boxing. Shout out Billy Gibbon. He loves boxing too. Uh, 1970 T Dish. Super Bowl four. Len Dawson, MVP. And the reason I brought this up when I was a kid collecting football cards. Top Flight or Fleer, I forget exactly which one, had this series of uh, Super Bowl MVPs. And I collected them all, and I think I still have them upstairs where I put them all in nice sheets. But I remember having, you know, one through, I don't know, at the time, maybe 28 or 29. Uh, but I remember looking at Len Dawson and thinking, oh, cool, he was MVP. Looks like a looks like a grade school teacher, and he was MVP of Super Bowl four with the Chiefs. Um, so 
That was Tea Dish today, 1970. 1981 Tea Dish. Our Philadelphia Eagles, who we will get to, beat the Dallas Cowgirls in the NFC Championship game, the 1980 season, the 1981 T-Dish. Um, it was the first Super Bowl that the Eagles went to. Um, it was really John Madden's Raiders, but he wasn't coaching anymore. He had left a year or two prior, but it was his team that he built, put together. And Jaworski couldn't get anything going, and we lost our first ever Super Bowl, 1981, to the then Los Angeles Raiders. T Dish night, I'm sorry, T Dish 2004 Shoop. I'm 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 guessing you're going to remember this. The Eagles played the Packers. Aaron Rodgers. Is it Aaron Rodgers? Was it Brett Favre? Uh, that would have been Favre. Yeah. Four and I just didn't start till like 2010 or 11. Yeah, yeah. Fourth and 26. On with just a few minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Eagles convert on fourth and 26. Donovan McNabb to Freddie Mitchell down the middle of the field. They convert it and they go on to kick a game tying field goal and then win it in overtime. Now, I wanted to talk about this because. Um, the next week, we lost to the Panthers. So the Eagles were the one seed that year and had a bye in the first week. And the first week, the Seattle Seahawks, remember this is a quasi-Philly, Seattle, Minnesota pod for the new peeps. Um, the Seahawks were in it against the Packers. And they, too, went to overtime. And you remember what happened? Seahawks-Packers overtime? A very, very famous coin toss occurrence i i'm drawing a blank to remind remind me you'll, what re, you'll remember it has to do with matt hasselbeck was it that we want the ball and we're gonna score exactly exactly good job so yeah. so so wild card round <laughs> seahawks play the packers they go in overtime Seahawks win the toss, and Hasselbeck goes, we want the ball, we're going to score. He, like, leaned into the mic like that. And uh, and they sure did throw a touchdown pass in the ensuing um, drive. Problem was he threw it to the other team. I think it was Al Toast Harris who jumped around and took it in for a pick six, and Seahawks lose. Now, Green Bay comes and plays the Eagles because they were the lowest remaining seed. And fourth and 26 happens. We take Green Bay to overtime, beat them, but then we lose to the fucking Jake DeLome-led Panthers the next week, and I mean, it's one of the one of the worst losses in Eagles history. We got some more this year piling up, but uh, that was 2004, Shoop. Why don't I don't throw it to you because I just got a couple more. That Panthers team was pretty loaded on offense, though. Were they? Yeah, they had Steve Smith. Yeah, okay. uh, like um, this guy, last name Muhammad, I think, receiver. He was really good. I can't remember his first name. Mush- was it Mushin? Yeah, Mushin Muhammad. Um, I thought so. Really good tight end. I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was Todd Heap, but somebody was really good at tight end. And then they had two running backs. Uh, I, the guy- I just pulled their roster up. 
So who you 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 had okay, Eugene Baker, Kevin Dyson, Carl Hankton, Mushin Muhammad, Ricky Prohl. <laughs> that's a name. And Steve Pro- Smith. Running back Steven Davis, Deshaun Foster. Yeah. I don't know. Jake DeLome, Rodney Pete, Chris Wenke. Who was the tight end? They had a really good tight end, too. Sorry, tight ends. Marco Battaglia, Chris Magnum, and Jermaine Wiggins. Had to be maybe, Marco. Maybe I'm thinking. Um... Nah, well, they, they, were, they were bums. We should have beat them. And then they lost to New England, right? Yeah. They lost to New England. So, I don't know. I thought that was a fun tea dish because 4th and 26 kind of lives on in Philadelphia Eagles lore for sure. Um, go ahead. What's your next one? Uh, my one and only tea dish, 1987. Okay. The drive. John Elway beats Bernie Kozar in, in the Browns. FC Championship 23-20 in oh, overtime. Was that January 11th? Sweet. Yeah. Or whatever today is. Yeah, the 11th. Um, that I watched that. I, I literally watched it. What year was that? It was night. It was the nineteen eighty six season, but it was played January nineteen eighty seven. So I was nine, and I remember watching that. And I think if you go back and watch that, it really tells a lot about the time of football. I mean, it, it, you know, almost run, run, pass, right? Like, and everybody knew it. It was going to be run, run pass for the first run run pass for the first and it's just the way football was run to set up the pass nowadays it's pass to set up the run um but yeah elway i don't know if he had anything down the field so much as just short accurate crisp passes um and just amazing and i think they might have even converted a fourth down or so or two on that drive i i, I remember watching it What's even more memorable than Elway was the fumble by Ernest Biner when he was like about to go in and score, right? And that's what allowed it to become the drive. See, I didn't, I don't recollect that. So, so the Browns were going in essentially iced the game away. Yeah, and fumbled. he fumbled. Oh, yeah. What Cleveland Browns have have suffered, fans. I, I have a lot to talk about with the Cleveland Browns later in the episode. All by right, the way, let's get, let's get, let's get it, let's get it. Um, I have some more tea dish. Tea dish. Damn, I didn't write the year. Today's George Foreman's birthday. Happy birthday, George. I love George Foreman. Still haven't seen the movie. Uh, Christmas and the holidays were just insane. Was it a good movie? Yeah. Called Big George. Good movie. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look that up. Um, so obviously, sometime in the what? 40s or 50s maybe for george maybe maybe yeah i, I can look it up quick here oh, he's probably 70 at least yeah he's old man uh, and then also one more born 1949 he's 75 and then one more birthday shoop a special shout out to hollis thomas who has been on this podcast eagles great hollis thomas thanks for your time again hollis I know you won't be watching this, but I'll clip it and put it on social media. Uh, you were awesome to give me five minutes, and you actually that's gave awesome. me closer to ten. You were the best, so happy birthday, Hollis. And that's all I got for T-Dish. How about you? You got anywhere else? 
no, I was happy with the drive, and I just want to get into the to the to the nuts and bolts of this epi. There's a lot to cover in uh, about an hour and five minutes. So it won't be the nuts and bolts. It'll be the flop and the turn and the river. Don't you know the fucking uh, format of this of this podcast shoot? The flop, the turn, and the river are essentially the nuts and bolts. Is what I'm saying. The meat and potatoes. Well, let's get into the flop here. I think we should start with college ball. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll say what I have to say. I feel like you've got more in the chamber for this, so I'm I'm going to get mine out of the way. Um, was rooting for the Huskies. I'm a huge Michael Penix fan. Was really waiting to see that arrow come out of the quiver and fire. Um, I gotta say, full credit to the Michigan Wolverines. Even though I hate fucking Big Blue, I hate Big Blue. I hate that they have the only stadium bigger than Penn State's. I hate that they have Jim Harbaugh, who's a douche. I hate that they're just, you know, it's it's just par for the course for me in my football life. Philadelphia lives in New York shadow, and Penn State will always live in Michigan and Ohio State shadow. So I hate them. So I was rooting for the Huskies. But, they, I mean, they made him, as far as I'm concerned, they made Penix look average at best. And... The, Clearly, they made him uncomfortable. He made throws off the back, off his back foot, which honestly, earlier in the year, I saw him make those same throws, but dropped dimes, and and they weren't anywhere close. He had a lot of bad incompletions. He had a couple of almost interceptions. I, I just, I gotta say, when last week we talked about it, it'll be interesting to see Penix against this defense. Clearly, that Michigan defense won the game. Now, yeah, of course they ran the ball like crazy. Those big two, those two big touchdown runs early were huge, but but Washington weathered the storm and could have made you know a comeback um, if it wasn't for Michigan's defense shutting down Penix. That's pretty much all I got to say. Uh, credit to those assholes. Yeah, I certainly don't have that much venom for the Michigan Wolverines. Um... As a young Oregon Duck fan, I can remember Michigan did a home and away with Oregon. And uh, um, Michigan came in, and they their their famous player at that time was a receiver named Braylon Edwards. And Oregon whacked him at Autzen. And that time, at the time, Lloyd Carr said, uh, you know, despite us playing in the big house, Autzen Stadium's the loudest stadium I've ever heard. And that just fucking fueled the fire of Autzen Stadium and Autzen Stadium just you know they expanded and um that's kind of about the turning point where Oregon football really started growing into you know essentially a household name in in terms of college football but uh nevertheless I was uh rooting for the Huskies unlike my friend Justin Myers who's such a duck fan he wanted to see Michigan beat Washington but I thought it would have been cool to see Washington win not only in spite of Michigan, but being that it's the last year of the Pac-12, I thought it'd be cool. But uh, you know, like you said, a couple big runs early, 41, 46 yards. It was like 17 to three, and then the third quarter, Washington, you know, held tight, and it was 20 to 13, and they had a couple big chances to tie the game, and and they did not. Uh, Penix rattled off schedule all night, yeah. And- even a couple big drops from Washington, and that was kind of it. They couldn't take advantage of that lull 
in the third quarter, and then Michigan just smoked them to wrap it up. Um, pretty impressive. If you look at Michigan's like last seven games, it's pretty impressive. If you look at the national they beat Washington. They beat Alabama to get there. They beat Ohio State. They beat Iowa. They beat Penn State. They beat, um, I don't know, somebody. Oh. They had a five, six-game stretch down the year where they beat a lot of ranked big-time programs. I absolutely can't agree more. They deserve it. And they, and they did what you need to do to win football for me. You need to run the ball, and you need to stop the run. And they did both of those things uh, because – we, we focus on Penix, but Huskies' um, running game is really what got them there, too, right? I mean, Penix would put the final nail in the coffin many times, but I forget their running back. But dude had a, ma- a monster year, and and the and the and the Wolverines shut him down. So, you know, it's it's amazing how simple this game is. We watch and we love, and it's it is complex at times. But really, when it comes down to it, like if you can run the ball, and you can stop the run and then oh by the way if you stop the run on first down second down and they're behind the sticks and now they have to pass and you can get pressure on the quarterback and not let him have time to go down the field like that that, that's how you win the game you run the ball you stop the run you get pressure on the quarterback simple (laughs) simple a lot easier said than done yeah and i had texted you after the game was like i don't know if Penix is cut out for the nfl I saw that, and I figured we would discuss that more here. Go ahead. Well, that's probably an overreaction. Yeah, I agree. You, have, you have to still look at the body of work. But what I was saying was um, that's pretty similar to what he's going to see in the NFL as far as, like, big, strong, fast, aggressive defensive. You know what I mean? Like, every defense in the NFL is going to be, you know, <laughs> capable of, shutting down the run game, capable of getting to you uh, and, 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 and hitting you, knocking you down, hurrying you, getting you off off uh, off schedule, making making the uh, the throws downfield, you know, tighter windows, etc. I think he had 50 attempts and only 250 yards or something like that. Um, maybe it's an overstatement for me to say that he's not cut out for the NFL, but maybe that game was more of a, a – a, uh, a look into what it could look like his his rookie year before he acclimates to the NFL. Yeah, I was going to disagree with you saying maybe he's not going to be NFL caliber. I think he does have the talent. It's all in his arm. The game will slow down for him once he becomes a professional and does nothing else but play football and study football and look at film. I think Kuiper's off. What did he have? What does he have? Penix at the five or the six quarterback? He's Something like that. Up. He's moved As up. He moved- he has him, I think, fourth overall in QBs now, and like the tenth overall pick. Okay, I still, I, 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 it'll be interesting to watch, right? It's another fun thing. It's why we love sports because I, I'll be interested to see. I think Penix is going to excel in the NFL when he gets a chance to, you know, live it and breathe it, and you know, be financially uh, okay to do nothing else but but study football. I think his arm, I think his talent is there, so. We'll see. It'll be fun to see. Uh, real quick, before we get off of Penix, you got to give the kid credit to Fucker was beat up, especially late in the third and the whole entirety of the fourth quarter. I mean, he was like Roy Hobbs. Like, he got shot in the fucking belly or something. The whole time, he's hardly 
he looked like a cripple. What'd you say? To me, it didn't look like he wanted to be out there anymore. I I think it was like I had enough of this shit. Well, he was getting his ass beat, but he, he to his credit, he hung in there and tried to make the throws anyway. So I guess what else? He, go ahead. So I think he's twenty six years old. Mm-hmm. So he's an old senior. Maybe not twenty six. Mm-hmm. Maybe twenty four. Yeah, maybe he's 24. Anyways, he's an older senior, which I think is a benefit as far as like a maturity thing going into the NFL. Um, but he's had two ACLs. So he'll turn 24 in May. He's only 23. Okay. So, yeah, he had a six-year college career. But, um, yeah, from what I understand, when people watch him throw in person, it's like a holy shit kind of deal. Like the ball just flies out of his hands. I was impressed by him. You know, we've talked about his accuracy all year, how his receivers' hands don't move much when they're in stride. He puts the bucket. Yep. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm glad he's getting his flowers. I think he's just as deserving of it as anyone else. I'm not sure why, but I'm not a huge Caleb Williams fan. The guy just, I don't know why. I can't pinpoint it. I just. Well, haven't we seen more quarterbacks come out of that program than not that fail in the NFL. Like I can think of a bunch off the top of my head. We don't have to get into that now. We're getting off topic a bit, but I, I don't know. USC quarterbacks. The most tenured USC quarterback in the league right now is Matt Barkley. And yeah, you know, he probably that, has been 10 starts in the NFL over 10 years. Exactly my point. Uh, anything else on the championship before we move on? Uh, I'm interested to see if Harbaugh goes to the NFL. I really think he does. Yeah. Yeah, I I think think with with the amount of openings now and the fact that he's able to go out a winner, like, I I think the time is now. I agree with that other than the fact that he went to Michigan, right? That's his home base, his home alumni school, whatever you want to call it. Um, I could see any other place he goes into it goes into a program, blows it up, wins the national championship, walks off into the sunset. I think if there's a spot in college football that he hangs out for extended amount of time, it's Michigan. So I'm also interested to see. Shoop, um, what about next year? This is the final year of the four-team playoff. Are you excited or is it uh, saturated? Well, I am excited because if it were this year, we would have gotten to see probably an Oregon-Georgia matchup, which would have been pretty cool. Um, Shit, Penn State would have made the fucking playoffs. Penn State. Who else was up there? Um, well, FSU. and Are they doing 8 or 12 next year? 12. And I think, I haven't verified this, but I think the top four teams will get a bye. And that leaves, you know, the bottom eight teams to, to play off to produce four winners and then those four winners will play the top four teams that got to buy. I think that's the way it's going to happen. Uh, but I love it because, and I've thought this for a long time. I, I think of myself having these thoughts back when I lived on Burton street in Philadelphia, if, and that was before playoff, even if you do a 12 team playoff, uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is when I, when I was a kid, I used to think they need to have playoffs just like they do in the NFL. And and more recently, I've thought when you have a four-team playoff, when you're that fifth or sixth team, 
very similar to what we had this year. Georgia, FSU had major beefs to be in the playoff because they could go on and win the national championship, right? So those five and six, maybe seven ranked teams, they all got beef. But now when we have a 12-team playoff, and obviously you're going to have a cutoff somewhere, right? So the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th teams are going to have their beef of not getting a playoff, to to which I say hogwash. It stops for me at like maybe top 10, 8, 9, 10. Those 13, 14, 15 teams, you didn't do enough to to be considered to get into the national championship. I'm sorry, you're out. So for me, it's just less controversy moving on now because we've got those top 12 teams. Really, the only controversy is going to be what four teams get to buy and what four teams have to play an extra week. But, oh, well, go out on the field and prove it, right? Finally, I feel like we can, we're going to see, I don't know. I know a lot of people that hate this whole playoff business. They prefer the old style, you know, match up the two best teams in the country for the national championship game, and that's it. I enjoy the playoff. I think 12 is going to be exciting. I can't wait for it. No, I'm with you on that. For one, there's usually a huge drop-off if you look at, like, the top 12. Exactly. I would even say top 10. 12 is pretty liberal. Exactly. But, um, so know, now they get in the playoff, they'll get their ass beat, and then you got the top eight teams playing. I love it. Yeah, it flushes out the pretenders. Right. Um, and this year's bowl season was terrible. So many terrible. players hit out. Yeah. With, uh, especially Florida State. I was disappointed to see they had so many yeah. opt-outs. They didn't put a, field, a team on the field. No way. No, how are you going to bitch and say you should have been in the top four and then you get beat 63-3 to three against yeah. Georgia? That's embarrassing. Embarrassing. That me that that proved to me actually that I was wrong and the committee that gave Alabama the nod was right now as you mentioned it appears Georgia's the one that really got the screw job out of this I just cannot believe that a team that won whatever 26 games in a row at the highest level 29 games in a row they including a national championship the very prior year before they make it through their regular season undefeated. They lose to, at worst, the top six or seven team in the country by three points. And all of a sudden, they're out of the realm of the national championship. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? That yeah. that really blew my mind. And I'm glad they went out and put I – don't, I don't love Georgia. I don't like the SEC in general. Like you were saying, I'm not an SEC guy either. But, but Georgia's got beef. And – and they, I think they could have beaten easily three of those four teams, if not all four, in a, in some sort of playoff. So we'll see what happens. But they're back in it now next year, you know. So are the final four. ranking? Did they rank them after all the games? I haven't seen. I don't that. know. I didn't even look at that. Curious to see if uh, where Georgia was. Georgia might be two or three for all I know. Yeah, seriously. Um, well, as you're, as you're looking up, why don't we transition into our turn and talk about the NFL playoff shoot. The matchups are set. I've got worse bets on every single game. I did want to give you that heads up. I'm giving you a heads up now. I think it might be fun if you and I um, or whoever else is listening and wants to get in on it, um, just pick all the games in the play. It's not that many, right? I think there's six this week. 
and four next week and then two and then one. So, um, so I did, I picked all six games. Um, I did want to, I, I had a lot of more, I had more units than normal, uh, because I was feeling so good, but I do want to keep it at 500 units a week. Um, so I had to adjust my unit bets, but we'll talk about that in a bit, but anyhow, um, I think now's as good as any time shoot for me to go off on the Eagles a little bit before we get into the full NFL where you can take over. Um, and, and, and this might even, uh, sync up with a suck out later in the, later in the episode, if we have time, um, the Eagles, I've been saying it for a few weeks, obviously, uh, you don't need to listen to any podcast to know the Eagles have played like shit for six weeks now. Um, they got their asses blasted by the San Francisco 49ers. They beat themselves in Dallas. Um, they should have won, but ultimately could not stop Drew Locke or whatever the hell his name is here in Seattle. They barely beat the Giants the first time. Then they lay in a total egg after being up 17 points to the Cardinals and then lose to the Giants. It really can't get much lower for this Eagles team, but I'm here to say I still believe in them, Shoot. They – I see both sides of this. They have not played with any edge since they were 10-1. and one. They did not need to win the Niners game. Yeah, you can make an argument that, oh, we want the number one seed and have a week off. Yeah, okay. But deep down, as a human being out on that playing field, they knew we don't need to dig really deep to win this because eh, if we lose, we lose. We're still in the playoffs. And that is a shitty attitude to have for a professional. I get it. But they're human beings. And I feel like the, the competitive edge was flipped off. Way back when, getting our asses kicked didn't help. It sort of kept that switch off. I think they played better against Dallas, but didn't have that edge, and they still don't have that edge. They better fucking have the edge this week, okay? And I know it's not easy to just flip us. It's not like a light switch. I believe that they will play so much better on Monday night in Tampa than they have played in the last six weeks. I've I feel like this is the NFL. It happens to us every year, Shoop. We see a team play like this. Then we see a team play like this. Then the very next week, they play like this. Then, I mean, it's just the NFL. It's the nature of the game. It comes down to small executions. And I feel like I believe in my Eagles. I feel like they're going to play well and win on Monday night. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I got two road teams winning – uh, this weekend, and your Eagles are one of them. Uh, the other being the Cleveland Browns. So I've got I've got home teams across the board, uh, with the exception of those two. You know, I can't give you any diagnosis on the Eagles. I'm pretty I'm pretty out out of I don't know. I can't explain how you go ten and one, and then one and six when the backside of your schedule was easier than the the front end. I mean, they yeah. had the twice. They had the Cardinals in there. Seahawks. <clears throat> so I guess the only, if I'm going to, if I'm going to think positive and silver lining, it's that, you know, now they can just say, fuck it. The whole thing crashed and burned. We ended the regular season as poorly as we yeah. could ever have imagined it. And here we are. 
So, I mean, as far as going on the road, I would think playing in Tampa on Monday night is a pretty, like, that's, I don't think that's a scary environment for, for Philly. I think they're probably pretty excited about that. I think both of these teams are saying, well, we got the best draw of all the teams in the, in the, in the NFC. I think the Eagles think Tampa's the weakest team, and I think Tampa thinks the Eagles are the weakest team. I mean, well, Tampa just scored nine points against Carolina. So, yeah. and I was, I was, I was going off about Baker Mayfield not too long yes. ago. He pregame stretch where you know he was playing as well as he's played his entire career. Well, your text to me was Baker's the best quarterback in the league right now. That was your text. And you know, it was either him or Joe Flacco for that. I, I couldn't game. disagree with it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that is reason for concern, though. They've got Mike Evans, and if Baker gets hot, they can present some problems for you guys. 100% I'm on board. I just have a gut feeling that since they've been playing so shitty, and this is the NFL and nobody knows what happens, obviously what's NFL stand for, shoot? Not for long. Whether that means you don't have a job for long or you can't play like that for long or you won't play like that for long. I feel like this team now, finally, finally, they have hit absolute rock bottom and there is no further to go lower and they realize it. They need, they, they now know it's winner go home. It's the first winner go home that they've had all, since the Super Bowl, really. And when you get that ten and one, you're human. You gotta go like, eh, we're ten and one. We're gonna be fine, and we'll see. Hopefully, they can flip it up. The the scary thing is they better play their ass off. Otherwise, you might lose Nick Sirianni as a head coach. Yeah, that's the talk in Philadelphia circles for sure. Shoop, if they uh, and that was actually last week, they said, you know, if they lose this game to the Giants and they lose in the playoffs, Nick's gone. And as crazy as it may seem, I mean, Ned Ned heard them talk about it, and he goes, really? So he's a three-time coach. He's made the playoffs all three years, and he took the team to one Super Bowl. Obviously, it's a loss. But, boy, that's quite a resume to have, and then to get fired. And I'm like, yeah, well, you don't know Philadelphia sports because all that matters to Philadelphia's fans and, and honestly, the team and the city and everything is is championships. We, yeah. We, we, yeah, we're we're the little fucking boy of the NFC East. We're the we're we're constantly in New York's fucking shadow. All we need to do is put together a dynasty, win five Super Bowls out of nine or twelve years, and we'll be fine. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> and, you know, shout out the stat boy, but man, have have Nedster take a look at what the Eagles did to P, uh, Dougie P and Andy Reid. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, what have you done for me lately, baby? I don't know. Mike Rabel might look good in the uh, Kelly Green. <laughs> so we'll get off the Eagles because we can talk. I can talk Eagles the whole damn time. Seahawks missed the playoffs, but there's change. Uh, at first, on I want to say on Tuesday, I heard Pete was going to stick around. Um, 72 years young, oldest coach in the league. Um, but yesterday it was announced he is stepping down as head coach. He will stay with the team. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's hard for me to say because I don't know if it was his choice or if the front office was like, we want to we want to change or if they they feel that like he's lacking something. I mean, 72 is getting up there, but, you know, he's as energetic and 
and uh, vibrant as you can be for that age. He um, bounces up and down that sideline like he's got 10 more years in his in those legs. Yeah. It's interesting Easy. that, I mean, I don't know. I think there's something that maybe we don't know on both ends. I mean, the fact that they want to keep him for some type of advisory role, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's a little odd to me, too. But, okay, let's not talk so much about the move. What do you think about Pete Carroll's legacy here in Seattle as coach? I mean, for me, he's the best coach ever that's ever coached the Seahawks, right? Is that not for debate? Yeah, I would have to say he's eclipsed Mike Holmgren. You know, Holmgren yeah. was the before, but, you know, Pete, Pete, you know, 14 years became the face of the Seahawks, brought one Super Bowl, should have been more, should have been yeah. missing two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could absolutely. I would say that he is he is the uh, the best coach in Seahawks franchise history. For I, sure. I feel like it solidified it when Russ left a few years back, and Pete took Geno Smith, led Seahawks to the playoffs, only losing to the Niners, and then uh, obviously this year still a decent season uh, by Seattle's litmus paper, but um, you know not quite where they want it to be, but. Uh, you know, they were competitive all the way until the last game. So yeah. uh, I feel like Pete Carroll needs to go down as the best coach. And, yeah, I think Holmgren's a solid number two. Yeah, and Pete was a guy that left USC. And, mm -hmm. you know, if there was a college playoff throughout his tenure at USC, USC might have won like six in a row. Yeah. Um, they were as good as anyone. Um, it was Polamalu's senior year yeah. for like – Six years straight they were you know <laughs> out of this world and then, they were you know, college football for sure bush scandal this and that pete's like see ya see ya you know, he, <laughs> yeah um all right well let's move on what else you got for the nfl playoffs i'm sure it's got a bunch there we we got to get moving here well okay so i'm gonna just tell you that i uh you want to go game by game in a sure. in Associate that with with worst bets, or do you want to do just, it? Okay, just... why don't we do that? So we'll put trivia on hold. We'll scoot to worst bets. Um, worst bet update, quick. Uh, AK still crushing it. He's at six hundred eighty-five units. Jones had a couple of good picks, including a nice parlay that won him two hundred seventy units. He's at three twenty-four. Shoop Dog, you're at two fifty-six. Is is at thirty-five, and then the rest of us are minus. I took another major hit, Shoop. Now here's the deal. I had a great week 18 in real life units up at the sports book a wonderful i I, pre, I i think i made 11 bets and hit nine of them um but pod units boy am i way down i'm at negative 423 units so i need yeah. a big playoff uh uh run to 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 get back to, to the top here i am going to cap it after the super bowl and then we'll reset and start over and we'll see what happens. But um, there's your update. I think I put it on Insta. I will maybe do another one after the playoff games. But, yeah, why don't we start talking about the playoff games and then we can implement our worst bets and what we got. I love that you said you love the Browns because the first thing I have, 150 units on the Houston money line. Yeah, well, me. Houston went into Texas. Or he, I'm sorry. Cleveland went into Houston and beat the Texans like three weeks ago. Okay. I think Stroud might have been hurt that game, but yes. uh, Cleveland won by like 16. Flacco went off. He did. So uh, Houston gets yep. in. You know, Houston gets in by um, 
Indianapolis falling apart. That guy drops the ball on a fourth and one. Um, and otherwise, Indy could have went ahead and scored and, and kicked the PAT to win that yes. game 24-23. And, and then we're not even talking about Houston's. And then Jacksonville, yes. Jacksonville took a shit against Tennessee. So I think Houston's, you know, for definitely – I think C.J. Stroud's your, your rookie of the year, and I think D'Amico Ryans is your coach of the year. But I think, I, I mean, if, if if Flacco stays how Flacco's looked for the last five weeks, I, I got Cleveland going real deep. So I got Cleveland beating Houston. Um, how many How many units? 80. So that's Cleveland money line, right? Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's what's it's you and I against each other. It's 150 units for me on the money line. I'm getting plus 120, and you got 80 units on Cleveland money line. What is it? Minus 140 two. or something. What'd you see? Oh, they're they're favored two points. I don't know what the money line is. Oh, or, well, do you want yeah, money line or do you want money line or points? Points. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right. No problem. So that's what we'll call it, minus 110. Um, okay. I, yeah, real quick, we will move on quick here, but, um, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Kind of, they kind of, I mean, they won their game, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, they sort of backed into the playoffs, but, uh, and I'm not a huge CJ Stroud guy. I think he's, um, as a rookie should be, he's really prone to big mistakes, but I see, I see them winning this week. I, I, um, I, I, I'm all in on CJ Stroud for at least one week. And I'm going Houston money line, 150 units. All right, next game. The Dolphins at the Chiefs. Sure. And Tua threw one of the ugliest interceptions you're going to see to end the game against Buffalo last week. And they had the potential to win the division and be the two seed where they've been people at home. They look very pedestrian against Buffalo. They lose. They're the five. Yeah. Therefore, go to Kansas City. I got the Chiefs uh, with the four and a half on this. Let me tell you something right now, Pet Shop. <laughs> the wind chill in Minneapolis this morning is <laughs> minus one, and that feels really fucking cold. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to. It's going to be so fucking cold in KC. Yeah, the high kickoff is projected to be minus five. That with is awesome. Looking at like minus 20. Miami's not going to want to be there, dude. Nah. Nah, I got the same. I see it the same way. I got 50 units on the Chiefs rolling, lay the points. In fact, in real life, I'm going to head up to the book on Saturday morning as well as Sunday morning this week. And um, I feel like I'm going to look at alternate game lines for that game because I think I can see a double-digit win by the Chiefs. So probably get a little bit nicer number with a minus nine and a half. The, the one thing they got they have going for him, I will say, you know, Tyreek Hill coming back to Arrowhead, he might have a chip on his shoulder if Tua can get him the rock, but I just don't see it happening, man. I think that's where the true home field advantage comes into play. And it will be a rock, if you know what I mean. That thing yeah. will be frozen and hard. And I think the Chiefs get right, too, right? They haven't been playing well. So they're similar to the Eagles. I feel like, you know, the two Super Bowl combatants from last year are still in the playoffs and they're going to be tough outs this year because of their experience and their talent and their coaching. Um, I like the Chiefs to roll this weekend. Dude, just to give you another idea and illustrate how fucking cold it's going to be, 
Tickets are going as low as $53. Nobody wants to be there. Hell no. Dude, I can't even begin to think about the layers that I would put on my body if I was going there. But there is no way in hell. Honestly, you would have to throw a large number of dollars at me to go to that game. Because first of all, I've said many times, my friends know, football is the one sport where I prefer to be on my couch watching it in a high definition with sure. quick replays, cheaper beer, and, you know, warm stuff, right? No line to the John. No line to the John. Like, okay, like pretty much every other sport I would prefer to be there, but football would be on my couch. And to to boot that, that the high is going to be somewhere in the single digits, if not in the negative digits, like forget about it. I will pass all day long. And I, I just can't wait to watch that game all nestled with some hot cocoa and a beer and next to my fireplace. Love it. Love playoff football, baby. It's on It's on Peacock, so hopefully you have that streaming ah, service. fuck, I'll get it if I don't, yeah. All right, next game. You know, you got my Steelers at the mm-hmm. Bills, and kudos to the Steelers for sneaking in there. Um, they finished 10-7 and seven just as I projected they would. You um, did, and I have an update on that too. We still have to revisit that, the projections of you, Izzo, and I. Already done, and Jones was in it, too. I did it last night in preparation. I got the final results. Okay, wonderful. Well, I will just say this. Um, I'll take Steelers plus 10. Yeah. I don't um, know. I, I mean, go ahead. D thinks the Steelers are going to win. Corbin thinks the Steelers are going to win. So I'm like, someone even told me that the Bills have looked like shit at home as the two seed for the last two seasons at home. Um, they beat, uh, I want to say they beat Indy by three and then they beat someone else, you know, close. So if that tendency continues, uh, now the Steelers don't have, um, TJ Watt, which is a huge loss, huge loss. But, uh, you know, if, if Pittsburgh was to win this game, it would be a, you know, a complete surprise for me. I'm just happy they're there and I'm happy Tomlin is, you know, continuing his his streak of win uh winning seasons yeah it's going to come down to the Steelers D if they can slow down Josh and the boys um I I just don't see the Steelers moving the ball very well against Buffalo's D obviously Pittsburgh's D is more vaunted than Buffalo's but but Buffalo's offense definitely gets the edge I stayed away from the winner here Shoop I just went uh 50 units on the over I actually did see a low-scoring game in my mind, and I thought, you know, wow, it's only 36. I could see the I could see the Bills rolling like 25 or six to three or six or something like that, which is all under. And I said, you know what? If I'm seeing an under, I'm gonna switch it up and go with the over. So I got 50 units on the over, and I'll be wildly interested in watching that game as well. A classic offense versus defense. I do think. Steelers are a bit overmatched, shoot, but defense wins in the playoffs, especially, right? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, they've got a hell of a running game. So if I, if they can chew up some clock and utilize the run and keep Josh Allen on the sidelines, you know, that's the who key. Not- that's the key, right? Limit possessions, run the ball, chew the clock up, and limit Josh Allen's possessions and snaps. Yep, I'm with you. By the way, just so you know, I'm going to make an 80-unit bet on every game and then a 20-unit okay. 20, 20 parlay with all of them. So, so far I got uh, Cleveland points, yep. uh, Chiefs points, Steelers yep. points, 
Okay, and my, pick, my next pick is Dallas Moneyline. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm just still getting your bet in there. Talk a little bit about that, bud. Well, is it ten and a half? Steelers are getting. They're getting a hook. Ten and a hook. Uh, no, it's even ten. Even ten. Okay. So the Dallas Cowboys are just absolutely dangerous at home. Um, the Packers, though, the Packers have played really damn good football down the stretch, and Jordan Love has turned into um, what appears to be another, you know, home run pick by the Green Bay Packers. I mean, their front office, if, if Jordan Love continues to, to be what he's been this last four or five weeks in the NFL, continue, yep. you know, that's that's just unbelievable. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, I mean – you we'll know. see. We'll see. Pump the brakes a little bit. He's playing good. We'll see if he can get in those guys' realm just yet. I'm happy for the pack. I think they're kind of a fun team to watch. A lot of no-name guys that are kind of, you know, turning into to, to recognizable figures. Um, Romeo Dobbs, the quad father, A.J. Dillon, Jordan Love. They got that weirdo on defense, Jair Alexander. I don't know. Uh, their coach is kind of cool too. I don't mind. I don't mind their coach, Brian Flores. Not not Brian Flores. Um, Lafleur, Matt Lafleur, right? Matt Lafleur. But I just think the Dallas flower. is too. Dallas is too good at home, so I got Dallas winning that game. You know, I would love to pick against the Cowgirls as well. I I sort of did. I went with Packers plus the points. Um, I do think they'll keep it close. I think. Dallas will be Dallas to an extent, uh, meaning playoff struggles. You're right. At home, they've been blowing people out. But Green Bay's been playing better football. And Dallas has cooled off a little bit at home. Um, so while I don't quite think I'll be doing cartwheels in my living room when Dallas loses, because I don't think they will, I think Green Bay can keep it close. And I really like the plus seven and a half number. I got that last night on DK, so I locked it in at 100 units on Green Bay plus seven and a half. Shall we move on? All right. The next Sunday game, I, I think this is the game of the weekend. This is the Rams at Lions. So okay. Jared Goff gets his chance to put some revenge on Sean McVay and Matt Stafford. And – now, I want to talk about the Detroit Lions here. They really should have been the one seed in the NFC. There was complete controversy on that, whether the, whether or not the, the guys reported to be eligible on the two-point at Dallas. So had how, they, Go ahead. Well, it's just embarrassing by the NFL and just trying to trying to cover up their tracks. I mean, it was obvious what was going on. I just spoke to a guy at the gym this morning who's a Bears fan, and uh, we've been talking all year. I've been seeing him periodically all year long, and we both were saying the same thing. It's, it is Now, here's the deal. I never like subscribing to the whole NFL is fixed thing. I know that there are human beings making calls, so there's going to be some little bit of you know human emotion that goes into these calls. But it was pretty bad that they score. They give them the two point. There's some discussion amongst the refs, and then a flag comes out. And okay, they can they can back that up by saying, "Well, we were discussing if did he tell you you were, he was eligible? Did he tell me he was eligible? Blah 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 blah." Both of those guys walked over 
to the referee. We're told only one of them reported as eligible. The other one didn't. Listen, I think it's hogwash too. Um, I I actually had real life units on a Detroit money line for that game, so I would have loved it if they would have won that game. Do I think the fix is in? Uh, no, but do I think that it's a human being saying like, holy shit, they can win the game. Wait, did he really? You know, and like just second guessing yourself and maybe there's a deep down somewhere where that that referee is one of America's fans and one of America's teams. And like, do I think it's a big conspiracy? No. Do I think it might have been a small uh, human error in judgment? Yes. <laughs> I I am. I feel the same way about whether or not NFL is fixed as I do about the Illuminati. Do I know that it's true? No. Would it surprise me if it's true? No. No. Yeah, pretty good point. Um, um, but nevertheless, what I'm trying to say is Detroit could have easily been the one this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe San Fran plays differently in week 18 if they needed it, but fair enough. Fair point. All top three seeds in the NFC are 12 and 5. Um, so anyway, I got lions winning at home. I think they, they pound Stafford. I think motor city Dan has the Detroit lions keyed out of their mind. I think golf hits Amon Ross St. Brown for 10 plus over a hundred and a TD. Uh, I like the Detroit lions to win at home covering the three. Um, shoot. The Rams have been playing really good football these last six, seven weeks. Um, Stafford seems like he's got things back in order. He definitely has weapons on the outside. Everything leans towards the Rams going into that uh into that building and being the being Detroit's daddy again. So I also will take Detroit to roll because everything's leaning one way. I'm gonna go the other way. Uh, I think actually, once again, I think I might look at an alternate line. I think Detroit rolls at home. So I am also taking, I'm going 100 units on Detroit minus the points. Right now it's at three, so we'll lock it in for minus 110. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I think I think Detroit's able to shut down Puka. And is Cup going to play? I'm not sure. Um I I feel like Detroit rolls. I feel like Detroit's a team on the rise and they need to be dealt with this postseason. Yeah, and and looking ahead, they take care of business at home and they get that chance to go back to Dallas and prove to the world what what should have been what's what a few weeks well, ago. We'll see cuz you know, as everybody knows, the NFL reseeds. So we don't know who wins what, but um Oh, really? Yeah, because the Niners will play the lowest remaining seed. So, I mean, let's say uh, Green Bay wins, right? Then Green Bay's the seven, right? So Green Bay would go to, well, I guess in that scenario. Let's say the Eagles win. The Eagles uh, I have to look at this go. Right, the Eagles are five. Rams are six. Green Bay seven. So is there any scenario where Detroit – doesn't get Dallas. Well, I mean, obviously, if if Dallas loses, then Detroit's yeah. not going to be playing Dallas. But, okay, I see your point. Um, 
but yes, the NFL reseeds highest seed plays lowest seed every week, um, and at at the highest seeds uh, at the highest seeds home. So we'll see what happens. Niners. What we do know is if the Cowboys win, then the Niners and Cowboys are hosting playoff games next week. Yeah, next week. Uh, okay, so all we got left is Monday nights. Eagles Tampa. Yeah, I got the Eagles winning on the road. Um, they'll cover the three. Um, I just think they remember who they are, and 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 I'm betting on what you say that 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 these meaningless regular season games just wasn't, you know, getting their juices flowing. Now they're in the playoffs, and. They're still favored, so Vegas and a lot of people feel the same way. Philadelphia goes to Tampa and takes care of business, so I think that's a given. Um, and we'll just see where they end up going. I think they go to San Francisco that following week, and then yeah, you know, most likely, right? If they're the five and the other two higher seats take care of business, then they will go to the Niners. Um, Shoop, I'm with you. I hope you're right. I've talked about in this episode how I feel like they will get right this Monday night and play better football, but I'm 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 betting on I'm betting on Tampa. Fifty units on. I think it's a benefit for Philly to have that Monday night game as well. I think it's kind of cool that they'll be you know they'll be able to watch some playoff football and be like, oh yeah, it's on, baby. In that respect, I agree. I think it's a disadvantage if they win. Obviously, it's. You know, we always say it's a day shorter, but it's almost like two days shorter. Um, it really makes a short week going into the following. Obviously, the NFL won't dick them and play them on Saturday, but they they would play on Sunday. Um, I, I don't know if I love the Monday night game, but I see what you're saying. I wish that pro teams would get together and maybe watch playoff football from the from the uh, NovaCare complex. Actually, I think they're already down in Tampa. Um, I think they left on like Tuesday. But um, it would be nice if they like got together, sat and watched football, and yeah, just maybe had a reset and said like, "Wow, look at that effort! <laughs> wow, look at that tackle! He wrapped him up in the in the backfield. He didn't just fucking throw a shoulder at him. Oh wow, look at him! Five points of contact on that football late in the game." You know, all the little stuff that they've been not doing recently and, you know, just get it like a reset. So, yeah, I'd, in that respect, I think it is a benefit. And certainly the other respect that, you know, that they're banged up and they need that extra day of health. But they're going to get banged up in this game, too. And then we'll see who can play in the following week if they do get a win. And it's probably going to be 70 degrees. So, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's a road. That's like a road game you want. That's yeah. like well, and there's a shit ton of Philadelphia people that have transplanted to Tampa. So even though it's a playoff game, I'm fully expecting at least 35 or 40 percent capacity of Eagles fans in there. It's going to be a quasi home game. Um, I, I know Tampa Bay has a lot of football fans. They'll be there. But trust me, Eagles fans will be out in full throat, even though we've played like ass for six weeks. Um, we'll see. But I'm doing 50 units. Tampa money line just to sort of hedge my my bet. I'm sure AK will chime in with a 500 unit Tampa money line. Uh, that'll either bring him down close to zero or or maybe a hundred and some units, or he'll he'll be over a uh, thousand units and maybe uncatchable for the year. So we'll see what happens. Shout out to AK. Um, the way Raymond James Stadium is incredible. Raymond James, have, yeah. have you been there? Yeah, I went um, for uh, a college football game 
the the Gasparilla Bowl or something like that a few years ago. I went to Tampa okay. for Christmas, and we got an Airbnb on St. Pete Beach. It was great. And, Sweet. Uh, Florida was playing Central Florida, which was a huge interstate, you know, in-state yeah. rivalry. It was a great time. Oh, great they love time. their football in Florida, no doubt about it. Um, all right, shoot. Well, that sort of covers the NFL playoff games, and our worst bets are in. Did you have anything else before we uh, pop out trivia here, quick, and then wrap up the show? Are we are we doing? Are we going to pr- make our Super Bowl prediction and go next round, or do you want to save that for next week? It's probably more legitimate to to put it out there now, right before the playoffs start. I don't mind talking about that. We've got time. All right, I'll just be real quick. You heard my my wild card, my super wild card weekend prediction. So if, if everything holds, if everything holds steady, uh, starting in the AFC, you got Cleveland, then going to Baltimore, and I think Flacco wants to shove it up the Ravens' wazoo. And see, this is a situation where I don't agree with sitting your quarterback in the last week of the season because now you got Lamar on the bench for two weeks, cold, and you could potentially have a Cleveland Browns team coming in that's already got some playoff, you know, experience under their belt. And uh, I like Cleveland. I'm taking Cleveland. I love what they're doing. And then you know that's Kansas City going out to Buffalo, and I think Buffalo can can uh, can hold hold serve in Buffalo. Um, on the NFC side, as I mentioned, I like Detroit to go to Dallas and, and do what they did a few weeks I think, ago. Hang on a second. I think you're, I think you're, I think it's, I think it's good for this pod to predict this week's games like you already have. Okay. And then just skip ahead and give us Super Bowl teams. And then what we'll do is. Next right. week, if the team, you know, then you can di- dive in because I think that's getting you too far out on a tangent. So give me, you give me, you've, you, we've already gone over our this week weekend's games. Who do you have the two combatants in the Super Bowl? An NFL matchup nightmare: the Browns and the Lions. <laughs> now, are you really picking with your heart or your brain there? I really don't know, but that's just what that's what I got. All right. Well, I'm clearly going to pick with my heart. I feel like um, I feel like Lamar will come off the bench cold, but he'll play he'll play questionable football for a quarter or maybe a half, and then he'll get right. And I think like the Ravens will uh, will go through the AFC like a hot knife through butter. Um, I feel like it's their time. I think like I think Lamar, it's his time. So I'm gonna have the Ravens play my Eagles in the Super Bowl, and we don't need predictions for who's gonna win. Birds, I love it. Yeah, a couple of birds. Um, I feel like John Harbaugh will. It it's like a double dip for the Harbaugh Harbaugh family again. You know, back in the 2012 season or whenever it was that they played each other in the Super Bowl with Kaepernick and Flacco, um, and it was the two brothers coaching against each other. I feel like, you know, Jim got his natty, and I feel like John's going to follow that up with a Super Bowl win. So that'll be the story. Yeah. Um, So if you're listening and you want to get your Super Bowl prediction in, get them into me before Saturday's playoff games, and we'll see. We'll keep points, and maybe we'll give stuff away. I keep 
wanting to get gather stuff and give it away to our worst yes. bet winners and stuff. While we're on the subject, I do have the totals here. Remember, we picked every team's record. The point system was if you get a any team and you guess its correct amount of wins, you get five points. And if you correct any division, correctly predict any division order and way that they finish, that's 10 points. So you guys crushed Pet Shop on the correct team wins. Shoop and Jones both had five different teams win uh, the exact amount of wins that they predicted. So that's 25 points. Iza made four correct predictions for 20, and Pet Shop only had one correct prediction. So going into the division order, you guys were up 25, 25, 20, and then five. And then everybody got one division right. That's it. We all only got one division right. So everybody attends. So it's essentially a moot point. So Jones and Shoop Dog tie for the lead at 35 points. So we'll have to have some sort of playoff tiebreaker. I'll get in touch with Shoop. I'm pretty sure he's listening to the pod. Um, so we'll figure something out to, to have a tiebreaker. Is it right behind you guys at 30? Which division did I get right? I want to say... <laughs> What? Say it again. NFC West. Let's see. So the NFC West went Niners, Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals, and you went Niners, Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals. Yep, you got it right. So good work. Um, that's the only one you got exactly right. I even was liberal with ties. Like if a team tied with another, I, I if you put them in any order – like let's say let's say it was so it went Dallas Eagles Giants Skins if the Eagles and Giants were were tied and you went Dallas Giants Eagles Skins I gave it to you but honestly it was only one anyway zero ties right right so um anyway we'll talk more about that next week but uh get your Super Bowl predictions in I love it Shoop you got Brian Browns and Lions Miller's got or pet shop, I mean, has got Ravens versus Eagles. Uh, let's move on to trivia quick. As we get into the playoffs, I figured it would. Oh. Episode 50, trivia brought to you by Hangry Kids. That's right. Thank you, Shoot, for reminding me. Hangrykids.com. Go there now to check out all the wonderful care packages you can send to your loved ones struggling kids in college who are starving and just don't have any money on their card anymore. And, uh, or, you know, people who may have had their appendix appendix out and they're home for a few, a few days, send them a care pack and send them a snack pack. Let's go. Hangrykids.com. Very good. There is no, there is no, uh, situation. There is no event that they cannot accommodate. They are across the board. They can fulfill any wish, any package, they got sweet, they got spicy, they got tangy, they got sour. You name it, they got it, Pet Shop. Okay, so, Shoop, thank you for that. We're getting into the playoffs. Uh, I'll tell you what, Shoop, I'm going to pause this because we have a slight um, emergency. <laughs> and then I'll come back and, and everything's fine. Just give me three minutes. Okay. Okay, I'm not sure if it uh, paused or just created a whole new recording, but I know we've got about uh, 15 minutes, shoot, but we got to run. 
So that emergency is averted. Everything's fine. Just needed, had a stubborn dog. Let's get back to trivia. What'd you do? Fucking shoot it with a tranquilizer dart or what? Uh, <laughs> my lawyer advises me not to talk about our actions. Um, there's some great, okay. So I looked at the playoff stats, like all time leaders of playoff stats. And at first I thought passing yards, but that was way too easy. We all know who has the most passing yards in NFL playoff history. Brady. Exactly. It's just too easy to come up with. So instead I looked at rushing and there is an awful lot of good names on that all time playoff rushing leaders. So that's it. That's, that's my, um, oops, I just did attempts instead. That's my trivia question for today. Name me as many guys as you can off of the all time playoff rushing leaders. All yards, right. yards wise. There's some really nice names up here, Shoop. All right, I'm gonna I go Marshall. I'm gonna go Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk, I I know he's on the list, but he's but definitely not, not no, not he's top. not. Now, because really, I think they what they have two two good years, where they were went deep. He he's number thirty two, Hall of Famer. He's got six hundred and two yards, and that is good enough for thirty two. Shoop, you need to do better than that. All right, I'll go to the opposite end, Emmitt Smith. Correct, number one, fifteen hundred eighty six yards. All with Dallas, all through the '90s and late to early 2000s. Emmett Smith, number one all-time playoff rushing leader. Go ahead, get, let's get a couple more. Uh, Jerome Bettis. Bettis, 21, 674 wow. yards, all the way down at 21. Hall of Famer. So wow. far, three guesses have been Hall of Fame guesses, which are good because it is littered with Hall of Famers here. But you got some other teams here. There's, I will give you a hint. Number two is your beloved Stillers. Really? Oh, Franco Harris? Yep. Yeah. 72 through 84. He has 1,556. Emmett wow. Smith only has him by 30 yards. How about wow. that? Yeah, That's if there was like a – if my Eagles could have held Emmett to only 140 yards instead of 180 in one of their playoff games, Franco Harris would still be your all-time leading rusher in the playoff. I think that's awesome. Well, that is yeah. awesome. Uh, uh, but gotta, it also, I, it's sort of, sorry, sorry, just sort of um, speaks to the league, right? The league now is just throw, 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 throw. And back in the day, it was run, run, run. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, my, I have a dark horse on this list. Uh, James White. I mean, it's a great guess. They had so many playoff games with him. Let me see. He's not top. It was a little bit too dark of a horse, not in the top 50. Okay. Don't forget, James White was also big in their rundown, run, their check down game. Yeah. And so his name's in your head because he had a lot of receiving yards as well. But no, he's not on the list. All but right. Dude, there are major names on this list throughout the top 10, even. Terrell Davis. 
Terrell Davis, number six. Very good. All those years with Denver, he turned yeah. up 1140. Um, number three, Buffalo Bill. Thermal. Thurman Thomas. Thermal. Thurman Thomas. Very good. Number four yeah. makes me sick because Dallas has two of the top four all time. Oh, uh, Another Tony Dallas. Dorsett. Tony Dorsett is, in, is a great guess. Um, number, so you got Emmett Smith, Frankel Harris, Thurman Thomas, Tony Dorsett. Aren't those great names? Fuck, I love yeah, is, that his name. Is John Riggins in there? John Riggins, number seven with the skins. Good job. Wow. You're missing five. Who two teams? Uh, if I give them to you, you'll know right away. So, um, uh, is Derrick Henry in there? Well, let me. I clicked off of it. I'll go back, but I'm looking at the number five guy. Okay, yeah. Um, Derrick Henry. I think I saw him on the list because he's bold. Yeah, he's number seventeen. He. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. He's higher than Bettis. And the other guy you guessed, uh, Marshall, Marshall Folk. He has no Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's a guy that's usually getting maybe one, if not two, max in a season. Yeah. Um, number five, you said, played for two teams. Um, I, got... I, I'll give you the teams, but as soon as I get you the teams, you'll, you're going to get it. Raiders and the Chiefs. Marcus Allen, baby. You got it. You got it. Uh, so Emmett Smith, Franco Harris, Thurman Thomas, Tony Dorsett, Marcus Allen, Terrell Davis, John Riggins, and then number eight is the only person in the top eight and even nine so far that's not a Hall of Famer. Just retired Ooh. in 2019, has 970 career rushing yards, and is a huge name. Willis McGahee? Good guess. Not it. Tiki Barber? Let me give you his teams. Mostly he was with the Seahawks. Actually, in his playoff career, it's only Seahawks. Beast mode? Beast mode. Yep. <laughs> Number eight, Marshawn Lynch with 970. Almost 1,000 yards in the playoffs. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and then Larry Zonka. And then Chuck Foreman's the only name I didn't realize. of Minnesota Viking from the 70s. Oh, wow, yeah. Edron, Edron James is in there, Roger Craig. So you did pretty well. You got Emmett, second guess. Um, Derrick Henry will not be able to raise these numbers. The only guy who's in the playoffs is, well, that's it. I don't think Leonard Fournette is on uh, Jacksonville now, right? Or he played for Jack. No, he, wait, he's in Buffalo. So he might have a chance. Fournette. Yeah. I was blanking out. I, I just saw Jacksonville. But, um, yeah, Leonard Fournette might get he, – he's number 31 on the list. He might rise this postseason, but that's it. Nobody else on the list. So that's all I had for trivia. A little bit fun for uh, playoffs. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. And that brings us really to showdown. Now, um, I, did have, I didn't have any games to play. I did have a sort of a mini suck out, but it's sort of tied into my Eagles. And then I wanted to give a shout-out to my Magpie, my – my uh, middle child, my daughter. But did you have a suck out? No, but I, I just, we have to, we, we can't not discuss that both um, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are out of jobs. It's un unbelievable. 
I mean, these are the two goats, right? These are these are the this is the greatest college football coach and the greatest NFL coach if you want to go by rings. I agree. Um and I can't say that I really saw either one coming. I think so, the Belichick thing I did certainly, but not because I'm uh, any insider, just b- because I would, you know, I've been kind of tuned into. But I mean, do you think Vrabel's going to New England? That's what everyone's saying, right? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a New England guy. Um, but yeah, Saban, what? I mean, yeah. what? Did not see that coming at all. He was talking about how much the recruiting trips are happening and this and that. And I don't know, maybe just the loss to uh, to Michigan and, I don't know, going home. Who knows what happened. I mean, these guys, these guys all have families. And, yeah, and he's 72 as well. Yeah, 72. 72 years old. That's – I don't know. But I think about your guy Joe Pa. As soon as he retired, you know, he – he passed shortly after. It's like when yeah. these guys lived that life for so long, what what else is there? Yeah, it's true, and it's a sad truth, and let's hope that it doesn't come true in this. Maybe these days we have things to keep those guys occupied and all, but, um, yeah, craziness, coaching, shakeups, and uh, obviously even as soon as next week we'll, we'll know more about different vacancies and different new hires and stuff, so um, – yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Certainly, we needed to talk about it. Well, let's hear let's hear your showdown. Let's hear your suck out. What, what's uh, so? Yeah, my suck out is a, it's like focused on Philadelphia media and Philadelphia fans. And clearly, the Eagles have played like shit. But man, I am seeing people jump off of this bandwagon faster. I don't have an analogy, but really fast. And it it saddens me because the NFL. I've been watching the NFL since 1984 and I know that, and I'm a douchebag. I know that there are things every week that go completely opposite of how they were the week before, or even the two weeks or even the four weeks prior. So all I'm saying is wait to see this plane actually crash before you jump off of the fucking fuselage. And even then, like I'm going to go down with the crash like the the Eagles are my squad and I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to like, this is a joke. I'm going to kick my dog for a week. I would never, you know, I'm going to walk around the house sulking if they lose, but they haven't lost yet. And people are like, this team's fucking garbage. And, and they're like, they're, they're like not even fans. It is. I thought I was reading stuff from a Dallas Cowboys fan. Like, dude, you can't, you can't be all the way off. Well, first of all, you can't be all the way on. And some of these people I saw down at the, at the bar, this podcast that I did that are posting shit. You can't be all the way on as an Eagles fan one week, then be all the way off because they suck. And then, oh, by the way, they want a playoff game all the way back on, dude, get some stability in your life. You hoser figure it out. This is the NFL. They're all professionals. It comes down to execution. It comes down to play call. It comes down to a lot of different things. But it doesn't mean that the whole team is fucking garbage and dog shit. Stay on. Go down with the ship. Or get the fuck off at the first port. We don't want you around. 
during the sea days anyway. I don't know how many analogies I can say. It's just annoying to see fans and media. Like, okay, there's two guys that were Ruben Frank. I, I, I've, I've watched him and listened to him. I've read his articles for decades of my life. And the man's a legend. But, like, he's... He's all the way off. He, oh, they're not going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to lose a Tampa. Rube, you have forgotten more about football than I than I ever know. Okay, I get that you're a legend, but like, dude, and I know you're also a reporter and not a fan, so it's not exactly fair. But stop, stop. Cover the team. Say they're playing like shit, but the season's not over. They got a playoff game. I guess I'm rambling. Yeah, I don't like the fair weather stuff myself. Yeah, it's that's what it's all comes down. I could have made it a lot shorter if I just said, "Fuck the fair weather fans." That's it. Well, I, you know, I grew up an Oregon Duck fan when they had Donald Duck on the helmet, and they were losing at Hawaii, and you know, losing in the Independence Bowl, and you know, now they're like I said earlier in the show, they're household. But this new generation is—they don't know what yeah. it was like. They don't yeah. know the pain of their fair weather. Yeah, you gotta you gotta climb through the slop and the sewage in order to stand on top of the pedestal and celebrate and be emotional and just you know enjoy all the good stuff about when your team does win. But when they lose, you can't first thing to do go on social media and just blast them. Like you can be upset, you can be pissed off, but don't say this. I'm fucking out on this team. They're never gonna win. Like fuck you, dude. Nobody wants you anymore. Anyway, <laughs> fly Eagles fly. Episode now, fifty. Yeah, and I'm all, I'm all, I'm, I'm well aware that if the Eagles lose on Monday night, I will be as pissed and I'll be screaming and yelling. But they're still gonna be my squad. I'm never gonna even sniff another team's gym bag let alone get in the fucking gym with them. Like, I'm out on every other team. This is my team. This is what co- it's called a diehard fan for a reason. And you can't have the, the highs if you don't have the lows. Fucking frauds. <laughs> All right, real not- quick. Shout, shout out to my magpie. Shoot. She has... Um, she I don't, I don't want to give... I don't want to, like, be too open book, but... Uh, she's applying to colleges and she applied so far to two colleges, um, Oregon state, the ducks and SPU where her, what Oregon state or the beavers, uh, beavers. Sorry. I, I, I know that. Oh my God. Hopefully, hopefully uh, grandpa Dave doesn't watch this. She, she applied to the beavers, Oregon state and to SPU where her mother went. Both places came back with a shit ton of money both places now spu uh offered an embarrassingly amount of money essentially a full ride we won't get into specifics and but then oregon state came back with not as much money but a large sum of money on a much bigger school right like she's amazing it's not just her it's not just her her academic scores. I mean, that goes into it. But she's gone to these schools. She's had tours. She's met with the people. She's written essays for them. She's just an unbelievable uh, athlete, athlete, sc- scholar. What am I even saying? I'm embarrassed. 
and she gets yeah. it all from her mother. Student, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Uh, but let's wrap up, Shoop. That's all I got. Hey, go Magpie. Yeah, think- and she's she's going to apply to a couple other schools, but we'll see. All right. Well, for from for Shoop Dog here in Minneapolis, it's an ice box, negative one. Oof. Pet Shop Eddie out there in Seattle with some snow. Episode 50 in the books. In the books. Half a hundy. We'll see you next week. Go birds. The weekend. Oh, yeah.